From the Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University, this is Getting Ethics to Work, the podcast that tackles the trickier moral dilemmas that you might face in the workplace. I'm your host and Prindle Institute director, Andy Cullison, and with me is our producer, Kate Barry. Hello. For each episode of Getting Ethics to Work, we discuss a case and unpack the difficult and often hidden ethical tensions that can make it hard to get along with others at work. And by the way, case is just an ethicist word for story. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone that we are not lawyers and we are not offering legal expertise. But as an ethicist, I can help you understand why people might be so mad at you when you CC their boss. Kate, so what's the case we're talking about? Today's case comes from a 2017 Harvard Business Review article by David DeKremer, who is the provost chair and professor for the business school at the National University of Singapore. Ooh, I'm curious to see what he has to say. So what's he talking about? Well, I thought this was an interesting case. So we've got two people, Ali and Tamika. Okay. Tamika emails Ali with a question that she's something she's not sure about. And it turns out that Ali is also not sure about it. Okay. So he CCs their boss asking for their boss's input. Ooh, I think I know where this might be going. Continue. Well, Ali doesn't see a problem with it. He's like, I just wanted someone's input. But five minutes later, Tamika comes up to him and says, why did you do that? She's going to think that I don't know how to handle clients by myself. But Ali doesn't understand why she's so mad. Okay, I think we can help him with this. So let's get to work. Cool. So the the article you raise, uh, he has a bunch of different studies in there, correct? Yes, six or more. Yeah, and it's all about this phenomena of CCing the boss or the supervisor. Mm-hmm. And while folks might think like, oh, this is all in the interest of transparency and collaboration and keeping people in the loop and making sure everybody knows what's going on, De Kremer's studies paint a very different picture of how this might affect organizations and relationships within the organization. Is that right? Right. So Ollie here says, I'm being transparent. I didn't know the answer. And so I wanted to ask someone who did. But Tamika and others might feel that there was something else going on than just wanting to be transparent with the boss. Yeah. And I thought the results of these studies were pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. So so we'll just summarize for our listeners some of the results here. This right? article will be linked in the show notes, though. It's worth a read. Uh, so one of the interesting findings is that they found that the more often uh, somebody CC'd somebody's supervisor, the more likely the person who's being CC'd on or whatever um, thinks that that person doesn't trust them. So if Ali did this very often, Tamika would be more likely to perceive that Ali does not trust them. Not only that, Uh, they found that this person might also infer a wider culture of distrust, that they wouldn't just think this is happening to them, but is maybe organization-wide. So they characterize their workplace as a place of distrust, fear, and lack of psychological safety. Oh, right. So if you're interested in uh, diversity and inclusion, a lot of the evidence suggests that what makes a merely diverse environment also feel like an inclusive environment is whether or not there's this property called psychological safety. And psychological safety is basically people feel comfortable expressing their opinions, uh, expressing their values, um, speaking their mind, that that kind of stuff. If people don't feel safe to do that, the odds that your environment is going to be inclusive, genuinely inclusive, uh, is really at risk. But this had other negative impacts on the organization, didn't it? Yeah, there was a different study that said the more transparency there was in an organization, that there was more evidence that workers were hiding even beneficial information from each other. 
This may be either to get a leg up on one another or just the feeling that if everything has to be out there all the time, that there's a this fear builds and then people don't trust themselves mm-hmm. to maybe to, to do the right thing or to understand what information they have means and then they'll hide it. Right. Perhaps okay. because their sense of trust has been eroded. Right. I mean, that makes sense if if you're sort of irritated that things are always being brought to light that you mm-hmm. thought didn't need to, it's like, why why share information? Yeah, and I feel like a lot of these things pointed to transparency can sometimes feel like surveillance. And so that if you feel like you're being watched or that everything that you do is up to debate and comment from everyone, that you might sort of do less and present less because you just don't want that scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, There was, I think, one other uh, big finding, which I found super interesting, which is a lot of people will say, oh, I was just CCing the boss because I wanted to be transparent and we foster collaboration here and what's wrong with more information? But it appears that when people do this, there's a good chance that a majority of them are probably doing it on purpose with the intention and awareness (laughs) of communicating to that person that you don't trust them. Yeah. So it's like you're kind of like saying, hey, you're on notice. Yeah. I don't trust you. Yeah. That many of the people surveyed realized that there might be this demoralizing effect on the person about whom they were CCing, and they would do it anyway. Yeah. So this is, I mean, you, you, could, you could step into bullying territory here, I think. Yeah. So after reading this article, I started thinking about this phenomenon, and, and I realized, you know, there are some other, at least potentially morally problematic things. It depends a lot on the circumstances. But before I became a supervisor, I don't think I would have given this issue as much thought. Um, It wasn't until I was the one being CC'd that I started to realize, hey, there's something kind of odd here. You know, de Kremer's studies focus a lot on what this does to the perceptions of trust uh, to the person whose boss you're CCing. But I noticed it did something to me as a supervisor. It it did a couple of things. One, I clearly picked up on the you don't trust Hmm. the person working for me. So no one's being slick. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like, that's you're clearly doing this on purpose. And so it it tells me something about you Mm -hmm. uh, that this is your tactic Mm -hmm. for dealing with one of my uh, employees uh, whom you don't trust. Uh, So it it does tell me something about you. and two, sometimes I feel like it's them saying something to me hmm. uh, that like I don't have it together with my own employees. Yeah. It's sort of like, like, you know, they're constantly telling me what my employees are up to is kind of signaling to me like, hey, you must not know what's going on over in your place. They couldn't possibly be doing this with your knowledge. Right, exactly. Mm. It's not just, I mean, I'm one supervisor. I haven't done a study like Kramer has done, but... I think there's a good chance that you're communicating some things about who you trust in different ways. And you may even be communicating to the boss or the CEO that you don't trust them right. or that you think they might not be running a tight ship. So you're keep in mind, you're, you're saying something not just to the person whose boss you CC. You could be saying something to the boss. Mm-hmm. So I, I think about times where someone has CC'd my supervisor or my boss. Mm-hmm. And what it does for me is it basically wrecks the day because I now have to prioritize that thing or I feel pressure to prioritize that thing. So you're really sort of like saying, hey, whatever you have on your plate for today, 
guess what? This is now at the top of your plate. You, you force that to the top of their plate. Yeah. That's uh, another sort of mark in the column of people know exactly what they're doing when they CC your boss, because the person who does that wants to jump to the head of the line of your schedule. And so they sort of force you into that position by making sure or asking for an answer and also looping in your boss so that now you're they're both waiting for your answer. And actually, you know, now that I think about it, um, another thing about CCing the boss or the CEO or whoever is... You might think that the CEO hopes that people know how busy they are. Right. And that they would get looped in only at a point at which it's like they need to be making the decision, right? Or mm-hmm. there, there's something that they need to weigh in on. Or that things have gotten to the point where it's time for them to do something. Right. Um, unfortunately, there's no way to, like, FYI... <laughs> I wish there was like a CC FYI where you could CC and it's just like, hey, just an FYI. But when it, when you get CC'd on a long chain, it feels like there's something actionable. Right. So someone might just be wanting to alert you to something or just leave a paper trail. But a supervisor might feel like, okay, so what am I supposed to do with this? And that may not be clear or may come too early in the process. In the Ali Tamika case, if Ali emails their supervisor a lot about Tamika, even if each individual case turns out to be fine. If it was a question and the supervisor says, oh yeah, that's okay that she didn't know that. And then the next time it goes, oh, Ali didn't really need to send this email. I think Tamika's got it. If he does it over and over, the supervisor is maybe subconsciously going to have a feeling that Tamika is a problem. Oh yeah. Even if with each individual email, she's like, oh, well that's not a big deal. Or, oh yeah, she didn't know that. But if you just sort of red flag someone, she may, without even realizing it, think that Tamika doesn't really know what she's doing. Oh, yeah. I actually, this is something that I always kind of like obsess over in my in my own case. Is mm. sort of if something goes wrong and there's like a good explanation for why it went wrong, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have that bad luck of like it happens a few times. And then, you know, I'm always thinking to myself, right now, everybody knows exactly what the explanation is for why that went wrong. Right. And I'm thinking, but what about a year from now when everybody's, oh, you remember that one time that thing went wrong? Well, that was weird. Yeah, memories are tricky like that. And that the only thing that the supervisor might remember is, I spend a lot of time emailing about Tamika, (laughs) not remembering that Ali raises these things perhaps unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, so lots and lots of potential negative things to keep in mind when it comes to making a decision about whether or not to CC a boss or a supervisor, right? Yes. Now, um, let's roll it back a bit. Now, there are going to be people listening to this who like really do feel like Ali was an innocent actor here. And like, look, collaboration is important. Transparency is important. What's so bad about CCing? Uh, these things are important. And okay, maybe it'll signal this stuff, but... Aren't collaboration and transparency so important that we should just risk that? Well, this article and a couple others say no. <laughs> okay, so what, what do they say? Let's take transparency. What do they say about transparency? So I think in the modern workplace, things like transparency have become very valued and are something that people use to show that this is a good place to work. It's an ethical place to work. But um, De Kremer and some other articles 
reminded us that transparency isn't really a goal in itself. Or at least shouldn't be. Yeah, that, it, that it's supposed to promote efficiency and collaboration, maybe truthfulness, maybe ethical behavior, but that transparency not done well can lead to uh, actual hiding and a, and a real lack of transparency or a kind of false transparency. Right, and the article made some recommendations about... It's not that you shouldn't be transparent or you shouldn't strive for transparency. It's that you should be, ironically, more transparent about <laughs> why transparency is important. Right. And if you say, if you make it clear that, well, look, we have these higher value goals, and these higher value goals just cannot be achieved unless we're transparent. Mm -hmm. So, sort of evidently explaining why you need transparency in ways that are reasonable and believable and understandable can, can go some lengths to, to mitigating that, correct? Yeah. Yes, but you can't just stop with, we need to know what everyone is doing all the time. Right, Because exactly. that just makes people feel nervous. And then that would be good advice for like, when do you CC the boss or not? If, mm -hmm. it's, if it's the kind of quote unquote transparency that's clearly connected to stated goals, but if it's not clearly in that category, maybe that's a way to kind of try and figure out when you should, when you shouldn't. Yeah. There were sort of similar things about collaboration in some of these articles. Yeah, there were. So um, there's this idea that collaboration is just an intrinsic good, that right. we, it's always better if it's done in collaboration. Um, but I think there are some reasons to think that, you know, collaboration isn't always a good thing, or um, there are different ways to be collaborative that don't always necessarily involve keeping everybody in the loop all the time. Right. I mean, one of the examples from the Decrema article was that the CCer is pretending to be collaborative by looping other people in, but because they're eroding trust, they're actually killing true collaboration. Right, exactly. And there are some other interesting things that I think should not necessarily make us think that collaboration is bad. Collaboration is important, but there's a time and a place for collaboration, and there's a time and a place for not mm -hmm. um, collaborating. Right, because I think what these studies show is that they, that may look like transparency and collaboration, but it really makes people feel distrusted, disempowered, and exhausted. All right, Kate, so what are some practical takeaways? What are some upshots here? What, what can people in the workplace be doing as we think about this? Okay, well, I think if you are a true, innocent CCer, so if Ali, in this case, really wasn't trying to throw Tamika under the, under the bus, she asks him a question, he doesn't know the answer, I think instead of CCing their boss, he could have gone back to Tamika and say, hey, you don't know this, I don't know this, why don't you email our supervisor and ask? So that she still gets the information she needs, but she hasn't been tattled on. It hasn't been spotlighted that she didn't know something without without her, like she's asking for help from the right person in this case, instead of from Ali, who also didn't know. And by the way, if you are an innocent CCer and you've just done this recently or something, go to that person right now and say, hey, I, I, just, I just heard this great podcast, Getting Ethics to Work. And I found out that, you know, People think I don't trust them when I CC the boss. And I thought I was just, you know, being transparent and collaborative and, you know, please forgive me. And also check out this really awesome podcast, it's, Getting Ethics to Work. It's my gift to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that that would be a good way to, to make amends with someone that you've maybe accidentally transmitted to them the idea that they don't know what they're doing or that you don't trust them. In, in all seriousness, it might be worth just having a conversation w with the folks in your office. Like... Mm -hmm. 
If you think transparency is important, if you think collaboration is important, have that conversation about what kinds of collaboration are we looking for? Why is transparency important to our organization? What kinds of things do we need to be transparent about? Get that all out on the table, mm -hmm. and then you'll sort of have a culture of knowing when people are getting CC'd and why they're getting CC'd. Uh, and you might preemptively avoid a lot of these tensions by just getting all that out on the table. I think that'd be great. If you are an intentional Machiavellian CCer, <laughs> I think the thing to take from our episode today is that everyone knows what you're doing. Yes. Your supervisor knows what you're doing. The person you're CCing about knows what you're doing and that you are hurting your supervisor's time. You're hurting your colleague's career. You're also making people distrust you. It's, it's bad. Don't do it. <laughs> or maybe you think at the end of the day, you're just going to keep doing this. But just be aware, there are all these morally relevant things that I think you need to at least be thinking about when you make that decision. And what about if you're a supervisor, Andy? You know, that's a good question. I think if you're a supervisor, you do have a pretty significant role in setting the culture for your team. Um, the, the advice could actually be very similar to if you're an innocent. You know, one, have that conversation about what types of collaboration are valuable? What types of transparency are valuable? When is it a good thing? When is it not a good thing? Set very clear expectations about when you want to be looped into things and when you don't. And so, you know, if the supervisor for Ali and Tamika had said, hey, anytime someone has a question about how to deal with a client, loop me in. Um, it's okay if you don't know, like, mm -hmm. how to deal with a client. But how to deal with clients are pretty important. And that's something, if there's if there's lack of clarity there, yeah, I want to know when there's lack of clarity. I'm not going to hold it against you if there is lack of clarity, but just loop me in, right? Something yeah. along those lines. So sort of, sort of setting the ground rules about when you want to be looped in and when you don't. And if you wanted to kickstart that conversation with your office, you could have them all listen to this episode <laughs> and have a lunchtime discussion about it. And uh, maybe you clear the air right away. I think that's a great idea. Me too. Thanks so much for joining us as we try to get ethics to work. I'm Andy Cullison. And I'm Kate Barry. If you have a question about business ethics you'd like answered on the podcast, email me at katherineberry at depa.edu, and maybe we'll talk through your issue on the air. We hope you can take some of what we've discussed here today and get it to work. If you want to learn more about what we talked about on the show today, check out our show notes page at prindleinstitute.org backslash work. That's all one word, get ethics to work. Remember to subscribe to get new episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. But regardless of where you subscribe, please be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way for us to meet new listeners. Getting Ethics to Work is hosted by the Janet Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University. Our logo was created by Smallbox. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions and can be found online at www.sessions.blue. Our show is made possible with the generous support of DePaul alumni, friends of the Prindle Institute, and you, the listeners. Thank you for your support. The views expressed here are the opinions of the individual speakers alone. They do not represent the position of DePaul University or the Prindle Institute for Ethics.